from the pages of the DRaysBay.com blog. Welcome to The Hit Show. Hello, and welcome back to The Hit Show. I am thrilled to be back this week. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are on the TV right now. Blake Snell has just done a masterful performance, which I don't know I expected to say that this season on the podcast. Very thrilled about it. He just went seven full innings, more than 100 pitches. And good Lord, I hope these Rays put some runs on the board because Snell is fantastic. We might talk about that more later. Right now, the Rays are one of few teams with more than 50 wins in the American League. You can feel good about it. Uh, The Rays and the Yankees are tied at 51 wins, and the Red Sox have 55. So they are leading the division still. Uh, The Rays are still in that wild card spot. The other teams with more than 50 wins are the Indians, who lead the AL Central, and the Astros, who, good Lord, have 65 wins. So it's not too much competition. The Royals are kind of sneaking in the picture. The Twins think they're competitive. Uh, But right now, the Rays are in a good spot. Um, We're not going to dwell too much on the standings right now because this season is long. And I do want to explain why we weren't here last week. And that's because my friends decided to hang out without me. So first off, we have on the line Darby. (laughs) Say hello, Darby. Hello. And Dustin, our producer, Dustin Klingman. I'm the voice at the top of the show and at the end. Hey, Danny, how's it going? <laughs> hey, Dustin, fantastic podcast with Brett. I really enjoyed y'all's conversation about the All-Star game. Uh, it was quite a thrill. I His his enthusiasm was uh, catching, even even days, days removed from the experience. I could tell he had a great time. So while I live on the worst... Uh, live in the worst city on earth, according to Rays fans, uh, the the <laughs> lovely city of Boston. Y'all live on uh, the best coast, and uh, so y'all decided to hang out without me. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. We just uh, we like formed our own little club, and it was the no Danny's allowed. Uh, made a little sign and painted it up. It was great. Um, yeah, okay, no, where I, were you? I... talk about it. <laughs> We were we were in um, so I, I flew down to Oakland for uh, my birthday and uh, down in the Bay Area is where Dustin roams. So decided to get together and catch the uh, Rays game when they were playing the uh, Oakland A's in the Coliseum. That is one of the one of the few times when I live out here that I get to put on my Rays jersey and take it over there and uh, hope for some good outcomes. And we had an awesome, awesome pair of seats that uh, that Darby procured right behind home plate. And it was a little stressful at the end, but uh, the Rays, Rays got out of there with a victory. Yeah, it was a really uh, exciting game. Actually, really exciting series in general. I got to catch the two wins and left town for the loss. So uh, that was good. Good timing to get out of there. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really fun. There's a lot of it was practically empty the night we went. Um, like definitely less than 10,000 people and, uh, a lot of Rays, a lot of Rays fans. There's a, uh, adorable older, older ladies in front of us, uh, that flew in from, um, from the Bay area, the other Bay area. Mm. And, uh, it was nice to, to chat with some, it was some friendly confines there, but, uh, we got to see Jake Odorizzi pitch and it was, it was like vintage Jake. It was, it was good Jake. Uh, it wasn't yeah, whatever, what is, what is whatever good 2017 Jake season look like? is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, 
it's hard to even re- I did not know what I was looking at. I was basically waiting for the implosion all day, all game, and <laughs> it just never happened. Of course, he did give up a home run because he has to give up a home run. It's mandated this year. He's given up a home run in every, was it 15 straight games now? All games he's pitched like it, it's insane yeah it, just, it might be every start all the I time mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna pitch well anywhere a fly ball pitcher seems like he would do well in oakland well he kept yeah. most of them in the park he kept most he of kept them most the of them in the park he had a lot of <laughs> okay so this was good odorizzi he gave up one hit uh on the game mm. and it was a home run and that was it the the other side of the token was he Definitely, definitely had some big flies that stayed in the park, and Oakland helped him out. But overall, it was a, a much-needed performance from him. Uh, he he let his defense show through. Um, only five Ks over the seven innings, but only two walks as well. So, you know, was was pretty darn good. Um, this was a, the best I've seen Odorizzi pitch, uh, man, in a long time. I think maybe all year, really. Um, he had a couple games in the start of the season that were pretty good, but it's been, it's been rough watching him pitch, but this was a, like, this was shiny old Jake lot, you know, getting weak fly balls, getting, um, pitching the contact smartly, um, not walking guys, mixing up his pitches. Yeah. Just really important stuff. Um, but this was, you know, few and far between and, and, uh, it was fun to see it live. Um, and then, you know, I fly back and then we got to catch the other side of Jake Odorizzi uh, this past series. So it's been it's been up and down, but at least um, maybe I just need to fly to everyone. I need to be Jake Odorizzi's um, rubber ducky. That's, yeah, that's you, the, you, you are the good luck talisman. Dustin and I are now quitting our jobs and following Jake Odorizzi. Listen, Jake, you can afford us. I, I we I think will come cheap. So yeah, it'll be like following the dead around, man. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. We're gonna get our like tie dye Jake Odorizzi shirts. The Jake. It's gonna be fantastic. He's the Jake. I'm, I'm trying to imagine if Jake Odorizzi has ever worn tie dye in his life. I don't. I can't picture it. But uh, there's a yeah. first time for anything. Yeah. Okay, so um, I, uh, Dustin, while we have you here, I, I definitely want to get your thoughts. As a Bay Area resident, you've had a lot of exposure to someone named Sergio Romo. He uh, was a, a raised target during the offseason. He decided to stay on the West Coast, and he traded in a career with the Giants for the Dodgers, and it went terribly. Who is Sergio Romo, and what are the Rays getting now that they've picked him up off the scrap heap? Yeah, so coming off the scrap heap, who knows what Sergio Romo is today? And it remains to be seen whether or not uh, Jim Hickey and, and crew can kind of put him back together. But I can say during the the uh, run that the Giants have had here of luck that appears to have ended this season, uh, Romo has been the guy. And in 2013, he was instrumental. He had 38 saves. And this guy's a big strikeout guy. I mean, he's got a career... 10 uh, a little over 10 uh, Ks per nine so he's he's been uh, over the course of his career been pretty exceptional but he hit the skids and uh, the Giants had to kind of let him go and then he did one of the worst things you could possibly do as a former Giants player which is sign with the Dodgers and we uh, we have seen a little bit of a a trend of of former closers leaving the Giants to become closers 
at the uh, in the dot in L.A. But uh, but Romo's got uh, I don't know what he's got left in his arm, to be honest. I have not paid attention to what what he's done in the Dodgers organization. He hasn't had a lot of innings this season at all in the majors. Uh, he's got a fantastic walk-up song, which I will not spoil for you. I hope he keeps it, and I would love to see what that dr- does in the trop uh, if once he once he comes out and gets to hear his uh, his theme song. You should you should definitely look it up before you get that experience because you're not going to see it on TV. I mean, we might get the experience today. Uh, I mean, you were kind of talking about his numbers. He he was respectable, but then Adam wrote about it earlier this week when he said the Rays should try it. They should go get Romo. And they got him for cash considerations, it looks like, from the Dodgers. But saying, uh, you know, the velocity's down a little bit, but that doesn't make him a bad pitcher. And like you were saying, limited appearances. You know, 30 innings, it's really hard to pitch relief in general. Uh, the Dodgers obviously pulled the shoot, but... Who knows? Jim Hickey has magic in him. And, uh, you know, some of the numbers to run through, he's got 500 career appearances. So using the big sample size, you know, he's now 34. Maybe that's why his velo is dipping uh, over the last two seasons. But uh, in his 500 uh, career appearances, he ranks first among pictures with a uh, .98 whip, which is fairly impressive, and second with 10. Uh, uh, or ten and a quarter strikeouts per nine. Uh, only David Robertson has more than that. Uh, the former Yankees pitcher. He's been the White Sox closer, and he might have moved in the uh, the trade deadline already. Right? Where did he go? I don't remember. And, back to the Yankees. Yes, that's right. They picked him back up yeah. with uh, that was a big trade. Canelli and uh, the Todd father. Yes, that was the messy trade. Thank you for Todd, reminding Todd me. Todd Frazier can become the other Frazier in, uh, in New York, basically. Honestly, he can be, he can be the players, bad Frazier. <laughs> right, well, they, well, they demoted Clint Frazier uh, when they picked up Todd Frazier, which is just awkward for everyone. Um, they just gave him his jersey. It was really mean. No, uh, <laughs> the, Yankees, the Yankees jerseys don't have names on the back. That's why it's funny. Um I think Canelli might be the best part of that trade because he's a really interesting piece, and I come from a family of White Sox fans who uh, care about prospects like that. Uh, anyway, uh, so David Robertson's the only guy with better K per nine, and he's also second with a uh, 207, so nearly a 200 batting average. Only Tyler Clifford has done better than that. So he's killer to, against right-handers. Uh, he'd be a perfect Rugie, right, one-out guy uh, for September. They're bringing him in now, so we shall see. Uh, but Romo's really interesting. Um, I mean, I, I yeah. can't imagine, Dustin, you're still here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't imagine the vibe is really positive about him, considering uh, he kind of went into tailspin and then betrayed everyone. Well, but do you... That's a, yeah. that's a National League problem. He doesn't carry that with him into the AL. But I would say that the Rays have a history of, of putting cast-off relievers back together. Fernando Rodney turned in a record-setting season as a closer. Obviously, Grant Balfour was great for the Rays for a run. Uh, I don't think Romo makes it back to being closer for this team by any stretch. But uh, the Rays have a history of, of helping these guys find some way to contribute positively. And I'm hoping that's what Romo's outcome is. Yeah, he's got three World Series rings, so if anything, he brings with him a veteran presence that this bullpen typically needs. So it's worth the gamble. Mm-hmm. And this year, one thing I have to say, like, you know, there are some some troubling signs ticked down in velocity. 
walking a ton. I mean, his walks have just jumped like a huge amount. He's career 5%, you know, walk guy. Now it's up to 11, but the strikeouts are still there. So I think when you see that, that strikeouts, you know, leave a pitcher, especially a guy like Romo, that could be real troubling. I think he's one of those guys that maybe just needs to sequence his pitches better. Maybe needs to, to kind of go back to what he does best uh, and if anybody, if any team can kind of figure out like which pitches to focus on, how he should sequence, how he should like kind of what what works for him, it's Jim Hickey. Like this this and guy, that's what he does best. Is that I exactly. totally agree. He really seems like the kind of pitcher who succeeds through sequencing. And I really have to wonder how much of that was he was at an organization forever and then he goes to a new organization and all falls apart. And I think a lot of that has to do with new catchers new system, you know, guys who aren't used to catching him. I mean, Fangraphs, when you click or you type in Sergio Romo, pick him up on Fangraphs, one of the top articles is like a Jeff Sullivan article saying Romo had one of the had the second best breaking ball in baseball last year. You know, it's, uh, or uh, yeah, 2016. It's, it's a good pitcher. He's on the mound right now. Oh my goodness, there he is. So yep, Sergio Romo, exactly. right it, right from uh, right from uh, the West Coast to the East Coast, and right into the fire uh, against I, Adam well, Jones. The fire with two is in for the whatever eighth. reason. Uh, Blake Snell had 102 pitches, and Kevin Cash sent him back out there for the eighth inning, and he let two runners get on base. So to be fair, Romo, to be fair the second runner was Joey Ricard uh, bunting down the line, and it just stayed fair, and uh, uh, Romo waited for it to go foul. So. Ricard does it again, but yeah, it'll be uh this is an interesting test for Romo. We'll uh, see how he does kind of right off the bat, but I, I think with us. it's a great, it's a great, I think attempt Like you know, Romo is replacing in the pen guys like Ryan Garten and Jumbo Diaz, you know, that that's, you know, right now we still have guys like Brad Boxberger, Tommy Hunter and Alex Colome who are counting on for high leverage um, when Xavier Cedeno comes back, we're counting on him to be like our top lefty in the pen. Uh, Romo is not coming in to be our setup guy. Um, he's coming in to to bolster the pen. And uh, the front office already said that this isn't like the big bullpen pitcher they were trying to get. This is this is just another again like an opportunity um, that you take a chance on and you see what happens. And uh, and you you kind of build off of there. You um, you add more good pieces to the pen. If Romo can figure it out, if Hickey can help him figure it out, that's that's a potentially monster piece. If not, uh, whatever. He's you know we we miss out on seeing Kittredge for uh, like a few weeks. Well, he just gave up two singles in the time that you said all that. He gave up. Uh, <laughs> His ERA uh, is still uh, clean with the Rays, though. It's still clean. It's just it's just yeah, Blake Snell's that's, runs. It's given to Snell there. It's just, just Blake so Snell's runs. Snow. Let's talk about Blake Snell real quick because this was a really great appearance by him. It was all fastball changeup. At least that's what it felt like watching the game. And that's really all he needs to succeed. Uh, early on in the season, we talked about how there was a lot of uh, noise in his delivery, a lot of inconsistency. And now instead of raising his glove all the way up above his head and you know kicking the leg too far, he kind of has the little rock step. Uh, you know, step back uh, to set his feet. But he does that beginning step when his body is still facing the catcher. So it doesn't have that same sort of 
giving a runner a chance to run kind of thing. It really seems like he's still waiting, still preparing to pitch. So perceptively, if there's men on base, it's a little cleaner. Uh, it's a little simpler it, uh, instead of pitching from the stretch or from the set. I hope that is a clear thing on a podcast. We are not using a visual medium. Uh, but then his uh, <laughs> glove raise it, uh, is, is, you know, up to chin level. And it's probably physically feels about the same for that repeatable delivery that he needs, but it's much simpler, much more compact, and he was delivering the ball great. 95 miles an hour on the fastball, uh, 10-mile-per-hour separation on that changeup. And then early on in the game, the curveball just wasn't getting placed uh, exactly where it needs to be, but I will say uh, he used it beautifully in uh, those sixth, seventh innings when that curveball was a true surprise against hitters and dropping into the zone. And that's going to be the secret sauce for him. That's going to be uh, a successful Blake Snell. Uh, I was thrilled, and uh, I was worried we jinxed him. Because, Darby, did you see what went on the site today from Jim? I did. And, uh, you know, Jim is so smart, man. That guy, <laughs> like, you literally throw out a article um, basically daring people to flame him in the comments <laughs> in a way. Uh, but but be not like in a, you know, obviously not like complete flame bait. He's just makes a really smart argument because he's a really smart writer. And yeah, it like he he's done. He has a couple of these. I feel like I need to look back because I feel like he's been very professional. Jim's clever. So this is Jim <laughs> Turvey. Uh, his article, um, it actually, I believe, came out of a conversation he was having with JT Morgan was that everyone is, you know, pouring all these insults out for Blake Snell, particularly because he got demoted because he wasn't doing so well. Uh, no wins on the season, those kinds of complaints. But if you stack his first 30 games against a little guy named David Price, uh, the, the stats look eerily similar uh, for a young lefty trying to figure things out at the major league level. Um, so all hope is not lost. That doesn't say Blake Snell is about to become David Price, but it does say that those first 30 games, which is almost a complete season, uh, 33 games uh, would be a, a complete healthy season. Anyway, David Price has been there, and now here's Blake Snell. So it all could have gone wrong. And right now he's got a whole bunch of earned runs to his name because Romo is now allowing a four to zero lead for, for Baltimore uh, to take. Now he's given up his uh, his owner and run. Yeah, it didn't take long. He got there very quickly, but it you know. Thanks, there Romo. You go. Uh, uh, I'm, yeah. It's an interesting. By the way, this will be an interesting call. I think you know some folks in the Slack are chatting about it right now. Um, very interesting call. Romo just got his jersey like today. Uh, and he already was into a very, very high leverage situation. Cash said he was going to do that. That's He says he's a high leverage pitcher. He's thrown him into high leverage. Um, did not work out because he did, you know, I mean, he just did face Adam Jones and Manny Machado, and he gave up two hits very sharply. Those were both no cheat hits. You know, that's that's the type of tough, I mean, this is a, I think this is a good sign, though, here for, for our Snell talk, because Snell carved up these bats. Um, mm -hmm. Romo... A very, very solid veteran reliever. I mean, obviously not this year. Um, he's not fooling them at all. And this is the first time they've, you know, faced him. Uh, this is also a National League guy going to an American League. So 
interesting spot to um, throw him in there. But, you know, Cash is not afraid to throw uh, throw guys right into the fire. I mean, Austin Pruitt had some some uh, some firefights there in him. Uh, he's thrown some young pitchers into there. So, yeah, he'll um, he'll get there. But, yeah, this is a very encouraging start for Snell. Um, I think there's a lot to take away. I don't know his personality. He's a very blank face guy. So you never know if he's like happy, sad, ambivalent, you know, whatever. But you just hope that like this kind of a start where he's going to lose again. He's not, does not have a win on the season. This is going to be another loss. It's going to be more earned runs on him, even though he really pitched seven strong one. Like, I mean, that's, that's a great start. So I hope that's what he can take away from this is, Whatever, pitcher wins, losses are dumb and stupid stat that is old and needs to die. This was a great start for Blake Snell, and that's what he should focus on and build what was really this. What was really enjoyable to read about Snell in the Times now that he's back, uh, because ambivalent probably was the right word, at least early on. And he went back to Durham, kind of worked on this delivery situation, came back. And his report to Topkin was, you know, Brent Honeywell really inspired me to get after it. And that's astounding for a young kid like Honeywell to be able to look at a veteran from his compa- uh, perspective. Obviously, Snell's only in his sophomore season. But to look at him and say, like, dude, you got this. You just need to tap in. All the tools are there. You need to believe in yourself. Get out there and go do it. Gets on a plane, comes back to Tampa Bay, and then turns in a start like this. Um, you know, that, that speaks volume about Honeywell. And uh, just how valuable he probably is as a clubhouse presence. Uh, but yeah, sure, Snell is ambivalent. Whatever. Not every guy needs to be over the top. And uh, uh, that, that's fine. Oh my gosh, we're almost throwing eighty-five. He just got a strikeout, <laughs> and he throws he, an eighty-five. It was. Uh, it was that was on his tremendous slider, I think, and it was on Trumbo, right. and he really kind of made him look foolish there. That was pretty good. Right. Um, eighty-five to seventy-five, I think, is the. The miles per hour separation. Yeah, he's not he's not a flamethrower, that's for sure. Um, he uses movement. He's uh, he's a little bit right now. It almost seems like a right-handed JP Howell in a way, like a lot of I mean, you know arms and legs, bendy stuff, and sometimes it works, sometimes it does not. <laughs> it does seem like it needs to be sequencing though, because when you get an eighty-five, maybe eighty-four mile an hour fastball. That sounds like batting practice for the American League East. I'm yeah. confused. Just just um, enough speed to to give you yourself a boost, really. <laughs> is it is it helpful that he's following up Snell, who was throwing 95, and then go in there and use that wicked slider at 75? Is is that the kind of separation we're looking for? Is that what's going to help him the most? I mean, maybe not in this appearance where he's allowed three runners to score, but. And uh, it's it's curious. I mean, obviously, he just got here. Maybe they're like, okay, give the bullpen a rest. Um, True. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also kind of hard. It seems like the Rays' offense just is not at, in sync right now. They, when if you can't score a run against uh, Kevin Gosman, then I feel like it doesn't matter. You can pitch a perfect game. You're not going to win. <laughs> it's just you you got to score one run against Kevin Gosman. Everybody else is mm-hmm. scoring eight. Uh, <laughs> so you might you got to be able to score one. Um, that's a discussion for another time. Well, I'm curious to see, we need more sample size, but after the all-star break, the Rays offense has not looked the best. They've gotten some wins with some really good pitching and the bullpen's actually performed pretty well. Um, 
the defense is still playing well, though they, you know, some some have kind of slipped a little bit. But the offense is not putting up exactly the the kind of we've been relying on the offense for the first half of the season. So far, post All Star break has not been quite the same offense, which, you know. Very small sample size so far, but you got to hopefully see you know, guys like Corey Dickerson, Steven Souza, and Logan Morrison still hit the ball. Um, because this will be a nice transition to our next topic. Uh, we are missing one of the big bats, the big one of the biggest free agent signings we had all off season, which was uh, Colby Rasmus. Yeah, man, that's that's just a tough blow. So my impression is that this had very little to do with Colby and his injury and a lot to do with behind-the-scenes, familial, uh, personal issues that he was not able to reconcile this season. There was talk a while back about Colby Rasmus before he was in his 30s talking about retiring early from the game and that things were tough on his family. I don't know the situation. I don't know the details. But uh, to hear it told from the Rays, they said, hey, you know what? Colby's in a tough spot. We completely respect his decision to walk away from the game you know, best of luck to him as he essentially retires here. Maybe he comes out of retirement because he's young at a later time, but, um, you know, we have no indication that this is something new. Mm-hmm. And uh, for whatever reason, he had to make the call, like, look, I really just need to step away from the game right now. Now, I can't imagine quitting your job that pays you millions of dollars for the sake of, you know, family. That's got to be an incredibly difficult decision regardless of how many millions you might have made in your career to date, walking away from a game that is presumably your passion and walking away from all that money, I mean, this clearly must have been... And the Rays are a playoff contending team. You know, we're talking yeah. about a little bit of a slump here, but it's not like, you know, they're the last place Phillies or something and mm-hmm. he's just decided to pull the shoot. This, this uh, is a team that right now, if the... The season ended today. We would be playing in against the Kansas City Royals to play into the wild card game. Like this is, they're right in the playoffs. Right, you, right, you were in right the playoffs there. Last um, week, the week before that, the week before that, the week before that. This you were almost in the playoff playoff in the uh, divisional race there. Like we've slipped a little bit, but like that's still the divisional race. There's a lot of games in the division still left to play. This is very much like competitive baseball on a good team. Uh, you still have multiple millions of dollars coming in the end of the season, and Rasmus is playing well. So all of the big reasons why a player might be like, you know what, I played a lot of baseball, I'm good. You know, not making that much money, uh, not on a good team, or not really playing well. You know, you have like a lot yeah, of this, great This players. isn't Hideki Matsui trying it out for a week. Exactly, yeah, like, nah. exactly. Or Manny Ramirez kind of disappearing because... He's about to get popped. Well, that's for. a PED problem. Right? Yeah, he's like, and I'm out. Ras- See you later. Let's be let's be respectful of Rasmus here. I don't want to compare him to washed up players. Rasmus no, is a good not. player. He gold glove honest, caliber. To be honest, I just want to say with Colby, uh, you know, I obviously wish him all the best, and you know, like you said, this is a tough decision. What he made, I think, is. You know, you can't. I can't fault him for this. You can't say like, "Oh, he's out there for the money." No, because he he, gave, he literally gave up money to do this. So he he already at, at a certain point was almost worth his contract for the Rays already. That's how good he was playing. Um, mm-hmm. So this is not a guy that's washed up. He's only thirty. He played great, and maybe he does come back. Uh, you know, a couple years down the line. Um, honestly, whatever he, he chooses to do, I, I kind of support it. I I think. I think mostly I've seen, luckily, uh, a lot of people online be pretty respectful 
um, which is very rare for the internet to be anything but <laughs> monstrous. But yeah, he um, uh, it's a it's a tough situation. It's a huge blow for the Rays. He was a uh, by Fangraphs ratings. He was already a one point three win player. Um, mm-hmm. He's which is a, a tremendous team. defensive uh, outfielder. He's a he's a great hitter. And he was he was uh, having an awesome year, um, but yeah, he's uh, whatever he needs to do for himself. That's obviously takes more importance than uh, any game. <sighs> it's disappointing. I mean, I, I get the frustration if you're listening to this and you're just pissed because we're not pissed. Like on some level, I'm pissed. I want you to know that I am truly and deeply upset about this because we needed him to be our left fielder. Now, the trade-off in practice is uh, Corey Dickerson goes into left field. That's not bad. Uh, Dickerson wants to be in the field anyway, and honestly, he had a pretty good sliding catch today. So uh, even if you were only watching this game, you can feel good. If you've been watching him play uh, throughout this second half, I felt good. Uh, I'm trying to remember a big defensive laps or something where if nothing's coming to mind well I if i there well okay so i hate playing this game because it's no because it feed it to sense. me I, well, don't I, let me dwell on my confirmation bias of that but really i'll, I'll throw you one made. that's also confirmation bias and also total small sample size and and complete you know crap but uh was it no two days ago chris archer p- pitches one of his best games of the season and Malik Smith in center field, which is a position that Colby Rasmus could play potentially and has played this season already. Uh, Malik Smith, unfortunately, gets to a ball, but totally, totally whiffs it, causes an error. Eventually, three runs score, two runs score on the error, and then a wild pitch scores a third. That's the difference in the game. The Rangers win 4-3. Um, right, right. That, I mean, that you know, was that's terrible. a defensive that thing. Malik is a much better Dickerson. left field. I was trying to field. talk up Dickerson a little bit, but you're right, man. That was just real frustrating. Man, that Rangers series. Let's let's go there. Possibly worst series of the season. I, I I don't know if I've felt more angry at a series because all three of those games, the Rays should have won. Those, those are all three that they they absolutely should have swept. And to lose that series, I think would have been a huge frustrating um, result. To get swept is really bad, especially at this stage. So I agree. I, I don't want to sound like I don't agree, but I think the flip side of that is the Rays losing one-run ball games, uh, while painful, makes me believe in this team some more. Because those losses were 4-3 to three in extra innings, 4-3 to three off of an error, and then six to five off of a Brad Boxberger uh, home run allowed at the end. Of the yeah, game. and then and that first game was also Alex Cobb dealing, and then gets the gets the call in the ninth, which I actually agree with that call. I think um, that's a that was a I'm okay with it, and gives up basically a single and a home run or a double and a home run within like three pitches. Is it two or three pitches? I mean, gosh, that quick. Alex Cobb moment was that was painful. If we want to talk about anything in this series being painful. Uh, that error is painful, and Alex Cobb just having the worst luck on those two allowed hits in the ninth inning. My goodness, I thought he was going to go complete game on us. I was just so pumped for him, and to see it all slip away, I was, I was, it was a mixture of like angry and sad because this was the Cobb game. 
You know, this was one of those games at the end of the season where you could look back and point at it and be like, yes, Alex Cobb carried the team in this game. And, man, that was a bummer. You're totally right. Uh, but these are one-run games. I feel okay. I feel like a playoff team needs to be in one-run losses. We can't be a team that's getting blown out, shut down. If you think back the last couple seasons of raised losses where they're losing, you know, four nothing, seven to two, something like that, where it's just, it's not even good baseball. It's not entertaining. It's not fun to watch. I, you, you, you've noted that the raised offense is slacking a little bit in the second half. I mean, we are talking about a uh, nine game sample size, not including today. In those nine games, they've scored two, six, three, three, four, two, three, three, and five runs. So there's offense getting on the board. Today's a shutout, which is no good. Um, but it's I definitely I, not. Uh, it's not last year. It's not even like the last. Yeah, couple that's of years. what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, like, this is still sure. a raise offense that I also believe in. There's there was no point in the Rangers series where we got sle- uh, swept. There's no getting around it. That's frustrating. That's not good. You need to win. You need to not commit that error. Uh, you, you need to pull Alex Cobb if it's not going to work out. Whatever it might be, Brad Boxberger needs to not give up home runs. I mean, and the yeah, spin yeah, rate that, that two very bad was, bad Boxberg, Brad Boxberger performances yeah, in the a row that was really bad. Three games. Yeah. But yeah, let me say I, you're watching him throw, and I, it doesn't feel like it's the pitches, like the no, Bo- quality Boxy's and the control good. of the pitch. Boxy's I mean, he was good. injured a lot of the season. He comes back in, and that spin rate is there. So I'm not exactly sure if, you know, it's just the way the ball bounces kind of thing. Or, you know, I haven't diagnosed those Boxberger losses. I, I, it feels difficult for me to put them on him. It feels difficult for me to put it on Malik Smith. It feels difficult for me to put it on Alex Cobb because these this is a team sport, and these are one-run mm-hmm. games. And I never doubted for a second that the Rays could come back and do something. And... Sunday's loss that was six to five. Steven Souza at the plate, two runners on. Yeah, that's there, an opportunity to do some damage. Yeah. you are close. The uh, all three of these games, the Rays' offense was wholly capable of scoring the runs to 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 make it tied or to pull into the lead and make or sorry that would make it a walk off at that point. Mm-hmm. So I never doubted for a second that there would be a walk off. Right now we're in the eighth inning, two runners on, and there's a man at the plate. There is potential in this offense. They are always making noise. They are making pitchers pitch. And so, on the season, on the season, I will say to their credit, they really have avoided any huge losing streaks. Um, the today, if the result holds, this will be their fifth straight loss, which is the first time they've had a five-game losing streak this year. The uh, biggest losing streak before that was a four-game law, lo- uh, four-game streak, um, and that was. The other series that I think might have been the most frustrating, probably more. The Rangers was frustrating because they should have won each of those games. There was like a moment yes. that that you have to do in the playoffs. They're not in the playoffs yet, but down the stretch, if those results happen in September, they 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 kill you. Right now, there's still plenty of time, but those those hurt. The uh, previous one to start the four game losing streak was the series in Seattle, which was those weren't competitive games. The Rays never even showed up in the Seattle, and they got blown out. Uh, I mean, flying west four to twelve, two to nine, one to seven. You know, like that. Those were those were really bad, bad performances. So, like this was not that. This was competitive baseball. 
um, that series was the most uncompetitive of the season. The Rays, I think, it was also at the end of a a pretty good. It was it was just a tough you know tough call. Um, this one was this was this was close. This was you know which makes it extra more frustrating. Um, it is interesting to see at down the stretch like how things shake out. You have the Kansas City Royals who are back from the dead um, and surging, and uh, they just made a trade with the the Padres yeah. from, for some of the Padres pieces. Um, Trevor Cahill. The, the Twins and Brandon Maurer, pretty pretty good reliever. Um, you have the Angels who somehow got better without Trout, which isn't possible. And then uh, Trout's back now, who's a good baseball player. So uh, <laughs> now they're they're pretty dangerous. And the Mariners are pretty much existing in in a limbo that the Rays had for most of the season where they 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 get to 500 and then they wave it goodbye and they let it go past um and then you have the twins who so it'll be interesting so the Rays have now they've had two big losing streaks but nothing too crazy nothing monumental uh and they've had a few good winning streaks but nothing like you know uh rattling off like no they're no Dodgers um but who is but then you have the twins and the twins are the most like consistently not great, not bad. Like they have just been winning a solid amount of games every month. They're competitive and 48. Yeah, they are. So like, I'm very curious to see, like they're, they're right there. They have not gone on a run. It's hard to say they can regress because they're, they really haven't gone on a streak. So I'm hey, curious to see moves that today. Difference. They picked up Jamie Garcia from the Braves. Yeah. Yeah. A deal that, almost happened and then didn't and then now it did happen so yeah no the Medical. twins are interesting but it's it, it's curious to see how these different teams like there really hasn't been like a like a twins like eight and two kind of run they're sort of just like playing 500 ball which which right now i mean everybody but basically detroit oakland toronto and the white Sox are are in it you know baltimore in this series if they if they win a, a series against the rays that would put them right back in that wild card chase Texas's sweep puts them right back in the wild card chase. Seattle's in the wild like there's a lot of teams alive. So that second wild card spot obviously was meant to kind of give more parity, more opportunity, more teams in, and that will be interesting come up uh, in the next week or so with the trade deadline because who are really sellers right now? Who who is going to really say, well, this this isn't our year. We should punt this because you know the Rays could lose out. Uh, in July, and we're not sellers. Um, the Twins could go on a on a you know two sweeps in a row, and they really can't feel like sellers. Um, the Angels really can't feel like sellers because they finally got Trout back, and they survived without Trout. So that's going to be an interesting trade deadline for the American League because pff, the White Sox only have so many players they can trade. They they only have so much. I mean that's true. I mean, so my hope here uh, is that the Rays can farm from the National League side. I'm particularly looking at the Reds because mm-hmm. Cincinnati has a loaded bullpen. They've got four guys who can pitch in high leverage, and the Rays' needs right now are reliever and that kind of right-handed outfield bat. And maybe they can swing one of those Royals-Padres trades that just happened and pick up one of the great relievers out of the Reds. Uh, there's at least four of them I can think of right now. And maybe pick up Adam Duvall. That's a right-handed outfielder. Uh, if you can kill two birds with one stone there, I think that'd be an interesting trade to get after it. Uh, my, my pipe dream, and I wrote about this on the site, 
and or maybe fever dream uh, at this <laughs> point because the Rangers has ruined everything. Um, but if if you if you uh, you know get in your time machine with me real quick and go back and replay that Rangers series, and let's say the Rays come out and they sweep the Rangers instead of getting swept, and now the Rangers are uh, seemingly out of playoff contention, and the Rays are solidly leading the wild card. That was the difference that three-game series made. Mm-hmm. And if you could do that, my hope was getting after you, Darvish, that expiring contract, uh, pulling him off of the market by acquiring him, which is a, a, a neat little trade strategy that I think not an, uh, enough people give credence to. If you go and get the good player, then other teams, your competitors, cannot go and get the good player. And I will n- never forget 2010 not getting Cliff Lee when I think they wanted, uh, say, Desmond Jennings for Cliff Lee. In hindsight, you would have done that for 2010 Cliff Lee. The Rangers got him instead for Justin Smoke, which is nothing uh, in the grand <laughs> scheme of things, uh, the package of prospects. What a, what and, a sad, by the way, that's like a, that's the prospects will break your heart edition. Justin Smoke right. and Desmond Jennings both talked about for Cliff Lee, who was... Right. He was not like this is not pre like Cliff Lee becoming, you know, the the Clayton Kershaw. He this was, you know, prime Cliff Lee and Desmond Jennings and Justin Smoke. I mean, Justin Smoke made the all-star game this year, but this was this was his first good year. Um, you can really say like this. This is those are two big prospects at the time and no team really wanted to get rid of them unless it was a huge get. And if you look back, both of those guys, you know, solid careers, but nothing close to their level so yeah that's the one danger with the with you know hoarding your prospects and and treasuring them because man it's a lot of them will become not even as good as justin smoker desmond jennings and i mean i mean dave dombrowski is real good at that kind of assessment too unfortunately now he's in boston but you've got a couple prospects that you decide like look these are our dudes you know we are putting our eggs in these baskets we really believe that you know, these couple names are the future, and these other ones I'm willing to give away. Uh, the Red Sox are willing to give away Yomakata, which is unquestionably the top prospect in baseball, and they dropped $63 million to, to land this prospect, and they give away Kopich, who is throwing triple digits, but he wasn't betting on either of those players. He said, I'd rather have good Chris Sale. And goes and he gets the good version of Chris Sale. And now he's, you know, on. I mean, Chris Sale could blow out his arm tomorrow and he'll still win the Cy Young Award. It's nuts. So, point being, let's bring it back. I don't want to be too all over the map right now. Uh, <laughs> the race did not go for it in 2010. The Rangers got Cliff Lee instead. And he destroyed the Rays in games whatever, one in five of the divisional series, and there ended the Rays' playoff window. And here we are seven years later, and gosh, you Darvish, who is now at the Rangers, uh, and his contract is ending after this year, is semi-available. Even though the Rangers are close to the wild card, he's still kind of available because he could get some really good prospect names. And, you know, if he... if I so wish the Rays could have... You know, again, I'm going to say kill a couple birds. Maybe get you Darvish and Carlos Gomez would have been uh, a prototypical sort of raise outfield to go and get. Uh, if you can mm-hmm. get the two of them and build around, uh, you know, uh, Jose De Leon, um, 
was number 33 in the preseason Baseball America. I think you could use him. I think you could use uh, former first-round draft pick Casey Gillespie, maybe throw in there uh, another first-round draft pick like Taylor Guerrero. Uh, you know, those are the kinds of names I would like to think the Rays would be willing to build around. Now, I have a rule, and I think it's a good one, and that's if you're going to propose a trade scenario, it needs to hurt. You cannot reasonably expect your trade proposal, whatever gets thrown out there, uh, to be a reasonable one to consider if there's not a little bit of pain for you. When the Rays went and got Corey Dickerson, uh, that trade hurt a little bit. Not because they gave away Jake McGee, who's a very good reliever and a high leverage reliever, and I'm sure they would love to have him right now. But it, it was the prospect side that also hurt. So dialing it back in. I'm trying to keep things, uh, you know, controlled here. I think Jose De Leon is a brilliant pitcher that the Rays can feel good about, and uh, you know, put some eggs in that basket if they really wanted to. But a top fifty kind of prospect is the kind of prospect that you have to be able to trade to get something good. Uh, Rays Radio has a famous saying: "You got to give something to get something." They say that every single time a trade goes down, and it's a good prospect that moves. So. I mean, what are the Rays going to do here? Uh, they need a reliever, and they need a right fielder. Yeah, they need a right-handed uh, bat for the outfield, or really just a right-handed bat. Maybe you can slide into DH, um, and they need a reliever pretty badly. They could also maybe use another starting pitcher. There's some options in the uh, system, obviously. Brent Honeywell, but he's kind of getting up there into his innings count. Uh, Jose De Leon, if he, you know, kind of um, rehabs and comes back. Uh, yeah, he Matt Andres, if innings. he ever comes back. <laughs> Let, let's let's finish the De Leon conversation. Uh, pitched four innings in the Gulf Coast League, so pitching down at the spring training complex. And in four innings, he had eight strikeouts. So, I mean, the, those aren't the best plays ever that he was facing. But De Leon might be on his, on his way, so I think he can feel... Solid. Yeah, yeah, he could be he could be your starting pitcher, or again, like you said, he could be a big trade chip. Um, there's there's definitely moves to be made. So far, I th- you feel like if I'm looking around, the um, Royals and Padres deal, uh, the Twins deal for Jaime Garcia, uh, especially the Diamondbacks deal for JD Martinez. These all seem a little light. Uh, I feel like there is one kind of clear winner. On these, which usually I, I don't. Um, so maybe it is a little bit of a buyer's market, uh, which would be really beneficial for the Rays. Um, but yeah, you always have to give something to get something. You have to give up something of value. Some t- no, There's no dumb GM. There's no GM out there that's like, ah, yeah, what do you, what, I'll Taylor Featherston. Here's a, here's a 30, top 30 pot prospect. No, no, no. You're, you're going to have to give up something of value. You just hopefully give up somebody that's not as valuable as the rest of your pieces and the value is offset by what you get back. There's a lot of options for consolidation in the Rays farm system. We have a a great, great farm system right now, um, bolstered again because they picked up, uh, they were able to draft um, Brandon uh, McKay and also pick up uh, the top um, international prospect as well. So that's two more guys you can pretty much slot right into the top 10, which is already crowded. So the real question comes down to who don't you trade? Cause there's a lot of guys you can move 
and feel, you know, it hurts a little bit, but comfortable. But Danny, who would you not, who do you think is off the table or who do you think should be off the table? I guess I should say. I mean, yeah. So that's a, that's a really good point. Uh, I think it's the three guys with real major league projections in Durham right now where the high expectations are. Uh, so, I mean, it starts up at the top. Um, the Rays have two prospects in the top 20 on Baseball America. And while you would typically use those as trade trips, I think you got to hold on to them. Uh, so, shortstop, Willie Adamas. Uh, and and uh, I was expecting the prospect song to occur, Dustin. Uh, Dustin has a little uh, Willie Adamas ditty that he likes to sing. Uh, apparently, he's too shy for it right now. Do you but... like Willie Adamas? Oh, there it is. <laughs> Honeywell in the rain. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, Willie Adamas and Brent Honeywell. They're the two guys who are clear team leaders. Uh, I start with the intangibles because I do think they're important. Um, uh, they're not going to get prospect grades on them, but not, and I'm not talking about like that a mythical chemistry that you know every stat head is trying to measure right now. I'm literally talking about these are guys who will be leaders in the clubhouse, on the team, on the field, and uh, they're positive influences on everyone around them. You want those kinds of players, and you want to hold tight to those kinds of players. Willie Adamas and Brent Honeywell are those, and they are wicked talented. Uh, oop, there's the Boston coming out. Very sorry. Edit that yeah. out, Dustin. Boo. Uh, Boo. The race Horrible. are about to get expensive. Yes. And I th- yes, they are. I think that's an important thing to talk about uh, because Brad Miller's not going to stay cheap. Bringing Logan, Logan Morrison, if they wanted to, would not be cheap. Uh, the starting Jake rotation is going to get a raise, even though he didn't have a great year, so it may not be as big of a raise. But uh, Jake Odorizzi's in line for a raise. Erasmo Ramirez in line for a raise in arbitration. I mean, yeah, it's tough. You know, it, I mean, if you go through all the guys that are, are getting paid, you've got Archer, Odorizzi, Wilson Ramos, Brad Miller, Erasmo Ramirez goes on the list. Kevin Kiermaier's got a contract. Corey Dickerson's going to get expensive. Brad Boxberger is a former all-star and closer. Xavier Cedeno is still around, uh, and he, he's a veteran. He's going to get paid. Tim Beckham's going to start getting paid arbitration now. Uh, Souza, Matt Duffy, can't forget that he exists. Alex Colomay is going to hit arbitration for the first time as an all-star closer. Um I mean, that's a lot of players, and you're not going to be able to keep all of them. Some of them are going to get moved via trade because the race payroll is not big enough. And so you need to be able to slot in some major league-ready players. Willie Adamas is one of those. Uh, I mean, Adani Echeverria, his defense is killing it right now, and Matt Duffy's on the way. So where exactly Adamas fits, particularly with Tim Beckham around, Brad Miller around, I think that's you know, not exactly clear. But I think that is a problem that will work itself out because Adamas is that good. And then uh, the third player we haven't really talked a ton about yet is Jake Bowers because I think uh, the Rays need an answer at first base. And the two answers in the system are Jake Bowers and Casey Gillespie. And if you had to choose one, it's the kid who's been performing way above his age at every level in the minors. Uh, That translates really well into the major leagues, uh, which is something Willie Adamas is known for as well. Um, and Brent Honeywell, if you're not reading the site, uh, I, I, I really don't want to uh, plague our listeners who do read the site uh, with just reruns. But, I mean, he just killed it in the Futures game. And he's everything you want and more. <laughs> 
and so. and a killer Twitter follower. Like he is a he's got an awesome Twitter account. He's a personality uh, super note. He is just yeah. Brett Honeywell on and off the field is the super fun. note was Lucius he's Fox. Let's fun. be nice to uh, Brett Phelps writing. Oh, the point oh, is yeah. <laughs> Willie Adamas, Brent Honeywell, Jake Bowers potentially opening day first baseman. Those are the three. Uh, I mean, maybe not. So maybe Tim Beckham is the opening day first baseman because you got to wait a month so that the contract situation works itself out. So that he's only a super two and he retains an extra year of prospect control. Blah blah blah. But those are the three names you need to hold on to. There, there's and so, no chance. There's no chance that Jake Bowers, Brent Honeywell, and Willie Adamas, if they're still on this team, which they should be, uh, will 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 not make their debut next year. That was a double right. negative, but they will be there next year. Basically, let's let's sum all that. Yeah, they, we may not see a single one of them this year. Um, May, September, maybe. There's not a lot of room for them though. Like right now, Willie Adams and Jake Bowers could be answers, but immediately if they come in, they're not better than what we have right now. So it's kind of tough. Uh, but yeah, maybe Honeywell for the pen for like a, a David Price type of move. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll really see. I don't know. It just doesn't seem. Feels like I would not get our hopes up that we're going to see any of these shiny toys yet. I just doesn't feel like the year. Um, possibly Honeywell, which would be really really exciting. Um, I just don't see Adamus and Bowers yet. But maybe that's me just trying to keep my um, excitement down because I'm so ready for the Bowers and Adamus and Honeywell era to begin. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I think it's going to be next year. And again, I it's probably not breaking camp with the team. So. Gotta gotta just see what we get in the first month, and then then fast forward to that. Then that's fun. Then the fun baseball begins. And uh, then we Brennan McKay, see young guys. Let me throw that in there. Brennan McKay, uh, the Rays' fourth overall first round draft pick this year. Uh, he, I don't, I don't think he's going to get moved either. So maybe the list is he, four names. He also can't uh, legally be moved yet. There's a new uh, rule. Well, because of the Trey Turner trade that oh, um, yeah. they can't. Uh, so basically just a real briefly, Brendan McKay, um, you can still order his Jersey uh, at least for one year. Um, Number 38. So, he's already, he's already boom. wearing it around. So there you go. Uh, yeah. So basically new uh, Trey Turner who, Oh yes. You, I'm sure Rays fans know Trey Turner. Uh, he was involved, but not involved in a trade. Uh, basically he was used as a player to be named later. And so he stuck with the Padres organization for a few months and then was traded to the nationals, um, right. because he had that just three team trade that brought us Steven Sousa, Steven Sousa. uh, and Jake Bowers. And basically, Jake Bowers. Yeah. Sort of in two different separate moves. Anyway, okay. basically if you, if you get drafted now, you cannot be traded, uh, that that same year basically you have to wait a a year and and it's basically the math works out so that no draft picks uh can be taken or can be traded until after the world series so So what you're telling me is i'm not wrong you are not won't be moved you you are absolutely correct that is a very and basically i'm saying that's a very very sturdy branch you're out on oh i appreciate (laughs) it um, so all yeah. the other prospect names, that, that's the end of that. So a, a trade needs to hurt. That's the that's the real idea. So when you sit there and you go, why haven't the Rays gone and got uh, Chris Davis yet? Or uh, this closer over here that, you know, is only gently used and the Rays could totally use that closer as in high level, whatever. 
you need to be willing to give away uh, a fringe top 100 in baseball prospect. So if that's Jesus Sanchez, maybe it is. Do, do I think the Rays should give away Jesus Sanchez or Justin Williams or uh, I, I, Adrian Rondon? I don't, I don't want them to, but you can't make everyone untouchable. It's true. I think Jesus Sanchez, though, of the, the three names we mentioned, I put him as close to those three names as possible. I, I think guys like Josh Lowe, Casey Gillespie, Justin Williams, Garrett Whitley, Adrian mm-hmm. Rondon, these are all really good prospects. I don't think the Rays are going to want to trade any of them, but in the right move, they would absolutely trade them. I think Jesus Sanchez, you need a huge... I feel like Jesus Sanchez is available in a U Darvish-type trade. I don't think he's mm-hmm. available in any trade for a reliever. Uh, I don't think he's available in any, like, kind of... It, it would have to be a big, big thing. Because I think he's much closer to the untradeable guys than he is to the, you know, Garrett Whitley, Josh Lowe, Casey Gillespie, Jose, even Jose De Leon. I think those guys are... They're good. They're very good prospects. Very, very good. Make no mistake. I think Jesus Sanchez has a chance to be really special. I think the Rays really like him. And I think he's not untradeable. He absolutely could be moved, but that would have to be a big, big deal. And I think there's, I don't know if the Rays are really in that. I, I feel like we're going to see how the trade deadline goes. Rays usually aren't big buyers. Yeah, um, it would this be year out could of be character. This, could, this year could be different. Um, they are a lot closer this year, and the, the makeup of the team is a little bit different, and the projections for next year are a little bit different. But they usually don't do huge shopping. They usually don't move big-time prospects at the deadline. They usually don't even move huge pieces unless it's kind of an impetus, like the David Price <laughs> they, move. They usually don't move. <laughs> they usually they usually schedule dental work. Uh, they brought so... <laughs> in Sergio Romo and cut Ricky Weeks. That that was the full extent of it. And, and poor Ricky Weeks, you just got... early. Yeah, so... Listen, yeah. I still believe in this Danny Echevarria situation. I think it's going to pay dividends. Uh, I oh, know it, it that has. he's kind of a placeholder. <laughs> It has already. He, uh, it, while I was in uh, Oakland, I got to see him hit a game tying uh, single, and he's done Gosh, a couple of fun. So, yeah, he he's a good player. But those are the type of moves. I still think the Rays are going to look more for that. I think they are going to look for maybe a big, better bullpen piece. I don't think we go for like a Brad Hand, which might cost. Uh, like yeah, a that's Josh expensive. Lowe. Yeah, that might cost like a Josh Lowe and an Adrian Rondon, which I don't think the Rays would do. I think if they could move a Casey Gillespie though for a a, a better than Sergio Romo type arm, like a, not a reclamation project really, but more like of a, a, like a Justin Wilson or would they, would they go Justin Wilson, Pat Neshek type of guy? Yeah. Okay. Like the, like the tier below, like I think Justin Wilson's actually a little expensive. I think it would be more like the, the Pat Neshek, AJ Ramos, like that type of range, like the good, but not the top tier. Yeah. Yeah, and, and those are those are the type of moves. Uh, the Rays are, I think, I think the Rays, like you said, with the U Darvish thing, that's kind of a pipe dream. But I could see the Rays going after that more than I could see them going after a Brad Hand or a, a Justin Wilson. Like even though they're in, I feel like those are the type of guys that might cost too much. Whereas the Rays would go would make the spending choice to go after a absolute lock in, game changing type of guy rather than the kind of a gamble but really good gamble type of guys. Right. Um, but we'll see. I, I feel like the Rays being somewhat involved and active at the deadline is different. And I feel like they are going to keep making moves 
Um, so yeah, it's a it's an interesting time. It's a bit different than uh, than normal seasons, I should say. Which well, means losses. Let's, hurt let's more, just go pillage the Reds and the Marlins for everything we can get. And uh, <laughs> I mean, we so we next week is the trade deadline. So yes. the next time that we are back on here, we should have some answers to to exactly that. So uh, it's been a good pod. So thank you, Darby and Dustin. Darby, you want to take us home? Yeah. Um, thanks, everybody, again, for supporting the podcast and listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, keep checking out our good content on DRaceBay.com. Um, like we, we mentioned a couple of different articles that we have out there. Uh, there's so much good stuff over there. And um, on an aside, I totally just – this is totally on the podcast, but I want to uh, give a shout-out because we're going to see some more new faces we've seen um, some really good writing already from um, our good friend Ashley, who is now over uh, onto the site officially as of today. So, um, yes, Ashley check out her, her awesome stuff because uh, she's a really, really gifted writer and uh, we're very happy to have her. So, shout out to Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Hi. Welcome. Um, as always, you can check us out on Twitter. Again, if you liked uh, last week's episode with Brett Phillips, You'll love our Twitter account. So follow D-Rays Bay on Twitter and uh, enjoy Brett because he is uh, he is a national treasure, um, or at least a Bay Area treasure. Uh, and as always, we will see you uh, next time on the podcast. More fun stuff. Next week is the trade deadline. So uh, definitely tune in. It's going to be a lot of things to talk about. Whatever moves happen and don't happen, I'm sure it'll be a fun podcast. So we'll hope to see you then. As always, I'm Darby. For Danny and Dustin, this is The Hit Show. The Hit Show is produced and engineered by Dustin Klingman. Make sure to check out all the newest and latest news about the Rays on DRaysBay.com. Check us out at DRaysBay on Twitter and, of course, DRaysBay on Facebook.